So thanks for coming. My name is Sasha Lightman and this is Wendy Jew. And we're going to talk a little bit about Arduinos and some of the other prototyping platforms that exist out there in, in the world for making your own musical devices. So just a, a quick show of hands, how many people have used something like an Arduino or a PIC controller or something like that? Good. Well, so what we're going to do is do a really general overview at first and then maybe open up the discussion for anybody who wants to talk about projects they've seen or something that they're working on that they think might benefit from one of these devices and then also take any questions you might have. So I might just pass these around. We brought a few prototyping boards. I'm going to reach over here and grab them. And we also brought some sensors. So an Arduino is a really simple device. This is an example of one of them. And there are a lot of other manufacturers besides the Arduino, this isn't a sales pitch for Arduino. It just happens to be a really common, easy to use device. These single board microcontrollers all have a few things in common. They have a, um, a little microchip here that contains the ability to do analog to digital conversion. It allows you to process the data to some extent. It's, it's not as good as a computer, but it can allow you to do mathematical functions to, to put the sensor data in a range that you can look at or the, the kind of range you want. And then it can also send data back out the various input and output pins. So it's really a, a simple process. The way that these things are used most often is various sensors are plugged into these pins. And there's just an incredible range of sensors that you can buy right now for anything from 50 cents to $10. This one here is a carbon monoxide sensor. This is a proximity sensor that uses infrared detection. And these come in a range that allow you to look at you know, a six inch range to like three meter range. I can't even remember if this is either a compass board or an accelerometer. It's like an accelerometer, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, there's similar little boards like this. This is about the size of a quarter. This is a force-sensitive resistor, so when you squeeze this, it gives you continuous data based on how hard you're squeezing it. So people, you put these in fingertips of their gloves and things like that. So you basically take a little wire, solder it to one of these pins, put it in one of these holes, and the microprocessor does processing to turn it into a digital range of data. And then there's a, there's a set of output pins. And there's also a USB connector on, this is, this is sort of the, average Arduino. Some of the Arduinos have more complicated output formats. But that data can either be sent to a computer or to other devices such as motors, speakers. And on, on this board, it, they typically have a USB output. They've got these extra pins for additional outputs. And, uh, and you can get add-ons that allow you to send the data via Bluetooth, Zigbee, Wi-Fi, a range of other outputs. The reason I mentioned motors is that one of the reasons that Arduinos have, and microcontrollers in general have gotten so much more expensive and available and the community has grown so much is that there's been sort of an explosion of these robotics programs in high schools. And so as much as I think that the whole reason the Arduino was invented was to make music and art, it turns out there's lots of people out there buying them for their kids to do crazy robotics. And it also surprises me, but it's true that there are more people interested in robotics than making weird musical instruments. But that's, that's the fact. So we're just going to focus for now on why we're talking about the Arduino and what's special about it. Well, one of the most special things about it is that it's an open source hardware project. So 
microprocessors have been around since 1971. And in the 1990s, they got cheaper and more available and capable of ha handling flash memory. For example, Wendy and I both teach at Stanford, and the program that uses these microprocessors, those classes, we started teaching them at least in 2000, and I think maybe in 1998. So around 2005, the Arduino group, which is a, was a sort of academic group formed in Italy that wanted to make a really low-cost board, got together and designed Arduino. And they made it completely open source. So from 2005 on, you've been able to download the CAD file for um, printing this circuit. Every single thing that goes into making this, you've been able to download. And so that's led to a few things, and one of them is offshoots, other people designing boards that have slightly different design choices. So Freeduino is more commonly used one by modern devices. And it's also allowed for people to design these things called third-party shields, which I'll show you in a second. Finally, you know, just because there's so many of them sold, I think I read online today that by 2011 they'd sold 300,000 of these things. There's this great online community. So when I have to go teach a student how to use one of these things, it's usually a 20-minute process of helping them feel safe enough to download the, you know, the, the program and showing them where the tutorials are. And then there's just a community out there for people who have solved problems that you haven't solved yet. Can I just jump in yeah. here? So just to give you a feeling for what this price point we're talking about oh, when yeah. we say something is inexpensive, if you get the brand name Arduino board, it's on the order with like $25. And then if you get the free Arduino, it's actually closer to 12 So you can basically get the hardware very inexpensively. More importantly, the, soft, the development environment where you develop the software is free. And so that's a really big deal when you're teaching students. You know, they don't want to put a large investment into the software. So if you consider that compared to things like Max MSP, or if you've done embedded development before this, you know that like a seat for, you know, Wind River or something like that was like thousands of dollars. You couldn't teach a lot of people to use it, you know, if they didn't know what they were going to get out of it early on. So now it's free, you know. So that, I think, the, the low price point, both for the parts, but particularly for the software, what has helped this take off. And the fact that the software free is free makes it so people feel more open. They don't feel like they've made a huge investment. They have to win it back. So then they feel nothing about posting their code online, sharing it with other people, which it makes it much more useful for the art community where you're bu building things that you might not see a financial return on. I've also heard about the Raspberry Pi platform. Yeah. Now, is that is that comparable to Arduino? Uh, does that work also for music? Or We're going to talk about that in just a second. Okay. So yeah, you, you're good. Those shields that I was talking about, I just pulled up an example of, of one company called Autofruit who sells various accoutrements for, for Arduinos. And um, you can see that there's like a, there's a motor shield that allows you, and I've got an example of one of those, that allows you to connect motors and solenoids um, to, to, your, to your device. And for musicians, that's useful for any kind of musical robotics. I should get this off. Or also um, these kinds of faders that you use in mixers that have these kinds of faders that you use in mixers that have um, that have the the auto return to where you were at. The Autofruit Wave Shield allows you to hook up speakers, things like Ethernet capabilities. This is a touch shield, so it just they've designed it in such a way that it's very easy to add things on for people to make sort of cottage industries where you know this is this started Autofruit started as one woman who made a few devices and ended up selling them on other people's websites, and now it's it's a pretty large website. So that's just to give you a sense of the community involved. 
and then so as far as the Raspberry Pi goes, well, so so one thing well, I teach an interactive device design class, yeah. which is like an intro level class, and we use the Arduino as a platform. And one thing I tell our, my students is that the cutoff point between this and the next level up is whether there's an operating system. So on the Arduino, you basically are running a program that you upload to it, and that's just the one thing it does, and there's not a lot of changing things around. If you need something that needs an operating system, you need to use to like the Raspberry Pi, or I teach a class where we use the Beagle board, and that you're using a much more powerful microprocessor. But so it's, we're then running Linux. And when you have an operating system, you can do things that are, are more algorithmically complicated. So you can do, we're, um, we're running PD, which is a patch programming program. We're able to do like cool musical synthesis on that. Um, you could do vision recognition. And so these are things that you can't do with the Arduino, but you can do with something like the Raspberry Pi. And the Raspberry Pi is being sold for $35. Yeah, now it's hard to use. <laughs> this is what I hear, but um, we're teaching workshops, and so hopefully that community where we're sharing code and developing environments for that will grow, and and soon it won't be hard. So I'm going to pass around one example of an instrument that a student in Wendy's class made, and this was just a I think a midterm project where they had to make in a couple nights, you know, a musical instrument, and so there were some gourds in the in the lab, and this gourd has four buttons on it and an accelerometer so it can tell sorry so so that it can tell the um, the axis of rotation and then if you look at this if you look at this board it's got this thing which is called an Arduino Nano Arduino just has a number of different size Form boards factors, yeah and uh, and then this is the beagle board which is a lot like the Raspberry Pi and um, and and so essentially you don't need a computer for this 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 is your computer so um, prior to our using the Beagle board as a platform, we were having people mostly interface their Arduinos with their laptops, and the laptop is where they would do their musical synthesis, and that was what would run the display. And the great thing about that is most students now have laptops. The bad things about that is that even though you don't think about it, the laptop is constantly changing. So stuff that works as a musical instrument when you attach something won't work in six months because you'll do a you know operating system update or something else will break. So um, one of the things that's nice about having an embedded operating system is that you can dedicate that computer to your instrument. It's also nice to be able to install one of, you know, the, the BeagleBoard costs... $200. $200, which, yeah. yeah, which is not inexpensive, but it's, I feel better installing that into an art installation than I do leaving my laptop, um, to say the least. And, you know, with Raspberry Pis, I haven't used them either, but everyone I know has and they seem to be using them nicely. Um, do you wanna, Wendy, so, so when, when, when we started using, um, using the Beagle Board, we, we started doing it because uh, Wendy and Ed Berdahl de designed uh, an operating system for that small platform. And um, so do you wanna talk about Satellite Karma? Yeah, I mean, we, what we have is a distribution of, of Linux. Um, so it's, um, it's a it's a version of Ubuntu that we've gotten to like to work, and then we also included a lot of things like PD and Super Collider and um, Jack that that make it possible to run things that people who are in the Linux audio community are already familiar with, um, and so then they run there. It's, it's imperfect. Um, we have like uh, um, five millisecond latencies, which you know, don't seem like that much until you're actually performing. <laughs> but then you know our students are able to do great things with it. 
Ed just put out a recent version of that operating system before the Raspberry Pi, which I haven't had a chance to play with yet. So that's something we're committed to supporting longer term. So we're working with people in the artist community to figure out what are the you know groups of things that we need for that. Does anyone have any questions? We should just throw that back out again. And otherwise, we're going to show videos of cool projects. Yeah. So what, one thing that we have found is like a, a thing that a lot of people like to do is make their own stomp boxes and like do things to modify you know other instrument playback. So Ed actually teaches the stomp box workshop. And this is an example of something from the 2011 class. So, so in this stomp box right here, there there is only the Arduino and the um, and the Beagle board, and he's designed a wah pedal simulation. So all the sound synthesis is happening on the Beagle board. So that, you know, that allows people who are working in, students that are working in DSP or, or anyone to, um, to sort of immediately get their, their digital signal processing into a form factor that, that other people, audiences, um, prospective purchasers could, uh, could, could use. Um, here's an example that I, I don't know, I, I have a particular fondness for. It's, um, it's modeled after a lap steel guitar. And again, all the sound processing is happening, all the, all the signal input is being processed by the Arduino and all the sound processing is happening with the um, Beagle board. Um, it's quite challenging actually, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Um, it is kind of like learning a new In this shot, you can see that there are two plugs going in. It's just a power plug. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thank you. So there are two plugs on the end. There's like a, a power plug and then an audio jack. And so this, you know, you know, they don't have a laptop hidden in there. You know? What are the sensors again? They're mostly using these pressure-sensitive strips. So that they're just using those for analog input, and then there's actually no wet signal coming in. There's no acoustic strings or anything like that. It's all synthesized from there. Yeah, I think that the, the pressure sensitive strips they're using are by Interlink. And um, SparkFun also sells something called a soft pot, which would have worked as well. Uh, yeah. And these these are the final projects from, from a class that I teach with Ed in the physical interaction design. So it's a 12-week class, and they're only working on the team projects for the last five weeks. So they're, they're short group projects that you're seeing. Mm -hmm. This is another project that I'm particularly fond of. It's by uh, Dan Schlesinger, and he, he essentially 
I'm going to pass around some sensors, and uh, one of the examples that we have is is this little one right here, and it's it's got a it's a piezo film, and he was able to pluck it and use the pluck as the impulse for a string model. So instead of sending you know a regular single impulse, the the pluck gave it just a, quite a bit more sonic realty to it, and so this is again short, short, week-long project. And he developed it later into something a lot more developed visually. But you'll get a sense when you hear it of, of what it sounded like. And, it, and it's also completely processed on the Beagle board and Arduino. Um, basically, I wanted to make something that busters. It would be like attractive to someone home to play on the street. You want something really small and portable that you, know, you can just sort of hold in your hand and it sort of, sort of took shape from there. Uh, I wanted to be able to play both the bass line and uh, notes, uh, one with each hand, and so on one side there's little piezos that are actually feeding into a string, uh, a, a string model, so you actually have this nice expressive control over, over your string. Right, so, so, you're, so you're, actually, you're actually plugging a little thing, um, and then you got bass on the other hand, uh, which changes the chords in the notes, so with only four pluckers. change plot position by sliding. And for those of you who are still wondering, and just definitely ask questions when you're, if you have any. How would you compare the processing power of the Beagle board to like an iPhone 4S or an iPhone 5? The OMAP chip that's used on the Beagle board is literally the same thing that's being used in the comp. You know, like the, I want to say that the, is a, there's a Qualcomm like um, phone prototype, smartphone prototype that right. uses that. So, so it does most of the things that you can do. I think that the graphics um, processor on the iPhone is a lot more powerful. Right. Um, but that, that, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff is, is right there. And the audio system on this is some sort of, what is it, some Linux thing you guys? Yeah, so one of the things that's an issue with the, the current setup is that when we're um, using Linux, we don't have access to all of the DSP part of the chip that we should be able to use. So like if we were using a, like a Windows operating system or something, like we, some of the tools that are made to access like some of the DSPs on the chip would be more easily accessible, or if, some of the people in the open source community were better at writing, you know, some of the um, device drivers for that stuff, we would have better access to it. So there's a lot more capability on the hardware than we're currently using in the music community. The people who know how to do that stuff aren't sharing it. But I'm going to show another example in a bit that, that, sh that shows an Arduino working with an iPhone. And it's it's using um, it's using a, a free program, a free app called uh, Touch OSC, which you know, uses the OSC protocol, and um, and then people can can use Arduinos with um, with their you know whatever app they make using iPhone I the iOS iPhone software platform. And that's one of the things that we're seeing as a theme that like communication technologies are are as important, if not more important, than the processing power. So if you use an Arduino, but you can send stuff over Wi-Fi, which is something that's coming very soon then you don't need to do the processing on board. You can just send all your sensor signals off board to something much more powerful. I mean, all of these little devices are like tools. And you know, for some things, 
a large route, you know, for some things a large table saw works and for some things a handsaw works. These are just sort of a range of, of tools that can be applied to making devices. And, you know, you might not want to leave your iPhone in, 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 I wouldn't want to leave my iPhone in an art installation, but now that there's leftover old iPhones that people are selling for cheap, then, then I might. But, um, but a lot of times, you know, the BeagleBoard is a good solution. Um, it's not the cheapest thing. Like, by the time, if you wanted to run a display, you know, and then, like, um, you know, put some of these sensors on, and then you had the Beagle board. By the time you were done, you might as well have bought an iPhone, you know? Right. But if you were trying yeah. to do some subversion of that or you wanted to customize it, then um, it's better. Likewise, if you were going to make, you know, 40 of something, you probably wouldn't buy 40 Arduinos. You'd buy 40 Atmel chips, which are the, the, the brains of that device, and make them your, you know, and, and, and make 40 versions of something. There's, there's always going to be a trade-off. These are just sort of platforming tools that are getting to be easier and easier to use. Um, but I think that's why I asked them to put Arduino and other devices in the title. It's just so many options at this point. If you want to make your own musical device, it's, it's, uh, it's incredibly uh, accessible. This is a piece that used three different, um, three different Arduinos, and um, and this did also use the BeagleBoard. But um, do you want to say something about this project, Wendy? Oh yeah. So this team, they they actually set up three boxes. They used um, the the BeagleBoard with the Arduino. Um, but they actually used three different input technologies. One, they were using a magnetometer, so they actually had a magnet on the end of the pen, and then a magnetometer, so they could tell how far it was from there and what direction it was. The second one, they used an infrared LED at the end of a pen and then a, um, and a Wiimote that would track the end of the pen. And then the Wiimote's Bluetooth um, signal was being picked up by a Bluetooth thing attached to the um, Beagle board. And that was used as input for sound synthesis. And the last one, they actually used two pieces of conductive um, fabric as kind of a touch screen. And then they just used the pressure from that. Um, so, and this one they called Triptux. They all had all the boxes also had pickups in the box. So one thing that all the students like to do is what I call mixing wet and dry signals. So they'll use something that's like an organic thing, like where your pen is on a board, with uh, so, so something something where they're getting like analog signal from from the sensors with something like the pickup. Um, information which is noisier and sounds more real and so from that mix of things they get things that sound more instrument like than something which is like a toy piano where you're like a little dot 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 dot. 
printed up a few flyers that um, that show some sort of websites where you can go get some of the some of the supplies that we're talking about, and um, just because I know we're throwing out a lot of different names of sensors, and, none um, of which we make money on. <laughs> yeah, we do, we don't. I just like them. Plug you know? for anything that we're making money on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but just so, you know, like I'm just gonna just give since most of the people that um, said they hadn't used these uh, these sorts of devices, um, one of the websites I, I wrote down here is called Spark Fund, and um, if you go to their sensors page. I mean, you can just see how many different sensors. If there's something you want to sense, uh, it's pr there's probably a sensor for it. Um, there's light sensors and compasses and... Yeah, just on the other side, let me show you guys, if you're not that comfortable programming, how much sample code there is on the Arduino site, because that is also very motivational. Yeah, okay. So this is the, the software side of this. This is where you're writing the um, firmware that goes on the Arduino. Um, All of these websites are on this, the piece of paper. So you can see that they have something where they describe what hardware you should use, how it should be wired up, and then they actually have like links to the code and they explain the code. So if you're, you know, one of the things we find is students often really want to make a thing. They have a specific thing they want to make, like gloves that have LEDs on the ends of each finger where they can wave it around at parties and stuff. And the really surprising thing is that you can actually go on the website and figure out a lot of what you need to do just by like piecing together other people's code. Yeah. Um, and you know, the hardware is not that hard to come by because of the things that Sasha pointed out. There's a lot of sites selling you the hardware that you need and then there's people who are sharing the software. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, are there any studies that you're aware of that, that um, explore the, the rate of information transfer from the human body to uh, a device? The rate of information transfer. So, for example, mm. like if someone's playing the piano, there's there's uh, a high rate of information transfer there versus um, if someone's you know singing. Because there's the degree of freedom on each finger. Are you saying right, like right, in exactly. parallel? Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't, but I think that's because it might be hard to. Um, it depends a lot on how how you define you know. <laughs> the variables that you're using to like send the data once you define the variable like if it's a, fre a frequency spectrum thing then then, right. then it's easier to like define how much of that you're sending yeah i mean, I mean there, there's studies that are done on on how much latency is perceived based on you know the, the sense of touch versus the sense of hearing and things like that i don't know those off the top of my head because psychoacoustics isn't my specialty but there's definitely studies on how how much latency we can handle and, and that sort of thing for the different senses. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a question about the uh, programming side of things. Like, what what is the development environment? Is it Eclipse? Is it uh, C, C++? Uh, you know, what, what's so, it like? So Arduino has its own um, development environment. It is actually in point of fact, using C++, but in, in a lot of ways, it's hidden away from you. Like, um, if all you knew, a lot of my students just come into class only knowing Java, and basically writing Java code and then using the compilers, error messages, you can, you can get all the way through the class, <laughs> yeah. um, no problem. It was based on processing, which is a, um, which is a, a Java-based. Yeah, and then, um, and, but it's, it, it, it is its own language, but it's pretty simple. You don't really need to even really know, I mean, I forget. In fact, until she reminded me, I forgot that it was its own language. So, so for instance, when you, when you say 
C, C++, are you responsible for your own memory management, or is that the way in which it's Java-like? No, no. So that, that, in that yeah. way, it is a lot Java-like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so, so basically, there's, there's, there's a few things going on in the development environment. Like, they give you a nice little text editor. They give you a large suite of, um, uh, of function calls that are kind of predefined for the Arduino environment. And they make a lot of assumptions about things that you would like to do. Um, they also use a um, state machine model, so they assume that you kind of have like a, um, a, a I forget what the, it's some um, setup and then loop. So there's so there's one like, um, function called setup which gets run once at the beginning, you know, of, of each set of like when you turn the machine on, and then otherwise it's forever in loop. Um, and so you can write other sub um, sub functions that get like parsed off from there, but so that it, you know, if you're writing stuff generically for an embedded operating system, you wouldn't necessarily have that state machine model. They might, for example, assume that you were just running through something one time. Um, but that basic setup um, is really appropriate for live interactive use, and so that's that's what they use, and that, that the students pick up on pretty quickly. Um, so it's possible that you can get through just knowing Two basic functions, you know, and making the, their library calls, and never writing any code of your own beyond just piecing together their own library calls. And let me just show you. Yeah. Oh, great. Sasha has it up. So, so th this is the this is the free programming download. Um, I think in Sample. examples, um, they say th this is the one we always start with. Blink. Um, this is a simple. You, you know, you, you basically connect your Arduino, um, you verify this program, and then you click this button to upload. And when you click upload, it sends this program to, to your Arduino. And it's as simple as, um, uh, you know, set this pin, set pin three, 13 to the, to the variable named LED, run a loop, that turns it on when the button is on, or actually this is this one blinks. So turn it on, wait a thousand milliseconds, turn it off, wait a thousand milliseconds, loop it again, turn it on, wait a hundred milliseconds. So that's milliseconds. the whole program, and that just yeah. blinks an LED. So, but you can see it's very simple. There's not a lot of setup code, um, and that you didn't have to write that from scratch. Most of the stuff our students do is just piecing together example code to do what they want. I'm sorry, one, one last uh, developer question. I think something goes wrong. Is there a debugger, or uh, what's the methodology for, for catching errors? So the, the debugging is not as good. You know, like if you're used to a professional environment, we, we um, one of the things why we show Blink early on is that um, we can use, you can use the LED as sort of like the printf function. Like when you get to this point in the code, Blink the LED, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, what are other things that you've seen students do instead of having a debugger? I mean, you actually, there is a serial a monitor. Verify. What? Oh, yeah, there's, there, there's a verify, and then there's a, um, in tools, there's something called um, serial monitor that, that. So you can send messages back over the USB to a, um, a console. Yeah. And so you can actually literally do a printf. Um, and then mm -hmm. the only thing about that is it's a little computational, computationally expensive to be sending communication messages all the time. But this this platform, or what we're talking about right here, is just for programming the Arduino. It's not for programming any of the sound side of things. So, the the so what you're essentially doing is is taking in sensor data and sending out control data, and it's pretty simple. So the bugging, you know, there shouldn't be too much debugging, and the code shouldn't be too big. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not you're not developing a huge code subset that like 
takes, you know, that you really need a strong debugger for. Uh, any other questions? Does anyone have a project that they'd like to show us that they're working on? This was originally designed to be sort of more like a round table. No? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, he had one question and then we'll, yeah. Examples of projects where someone is uh, connected like a, a microphone to, you know, one of these systems and uh, recorded a sound like into it and then manipulated the sound with these systems, like a like a homemade, uh, you know. Well, um, I have to think about that, but uh, yeah, you know, if you're doing, um, I mean, the stomp box is sending it, you know, recording a sound, well, not recording, but taking an, an, an input and send, sending out a modified version of that. Um, uh, frequently when you're using a microphone, you can just plug in your, if you're using a computer to do the processing, the microphone can just go in the pro in and, and it can be modified the same way. But uh, PD is kind of like Maxim SP, which you can use with Ableton. You can't use PD with Ableton, but um, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, so Cecilia's yeah. project, well, like we, one of the student projects this last term was, was using audio as input and they were mod, uh, modulating it oh, yeah. using PD. That was Cecilia's project. Uh, oh, yeah. That's a wild project. I, I don't know if the videos from the last term are up yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, if. I'm just I'm interested in doing a project kind of like that, so I'm also able to see that video and get in contact with that person. Yeah, yeah sure. Please come and see me afterwards and I'd be Good. happy to show you. So there is an audio, there's audio input basically on um, the on the Beagle board. I think that on the Raspberry Pi that there there isn't an audio input, but there is a USB connection. So okay. you can actually use like an external USB device that, that that does audio input and then use that. Okay. Yeah. Has anyone done any projects where they uh, convert the input signals into MIDI oh, um, yeah. signals on the app? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, um, I mean, essentially, that's what we were doing in our early boards. Now, I mean, you can either send, yeah, I mean, I guess for the last eight or nine years we've sent Arduino, f I mean, we've sent OSC messages, but it's just as easy to send MIDI data um, over the USB. You're trying to get sensor data into MIDI or you're trying to get audio data into MIDI? I, I'm I kind of went just curious if the world of MIDI and this intersect because MIDI is obviously all about music and it's... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was this, yeah. I mean, you can, there's shields. That, that connect to the Arduino that have MIDI outputs and inputs if you want to use the old style connectors. And I guess this guy, this yeah, gentleman. That's what I was it, it's, it's not just MIDI, but what was really exciting at the, uh, at the NAMM show uh, last month is uh, MIDI, uh, the MIDI Manufacturers Association has been working on a new version of MIDI. Uh, HD protocol is the, the trade name for that. And, Whereas MIDI is a very keyboard-oriented protocol, HD is much more flexible, and it, it'd be a great mix for you know these these types of homebrew instruments, or, or or even just you know string vocal, more continuous instruments, not just discrete key instruments. And someone was demonstrating one of the demonstrations of HD protocol was HD protocol running on Raspberry Pi. And I was like, that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, the the combination of these platforms with HD uh, protocol. Is, is really encouraging. So if there are manufacturers here, people who want to be manufacturers, highly encourage folks to get involved with reviewing the HD protocol, making sure it's, it's working for you, and that's at the 
MIDI Manufacturers Association, uh, MIDI.org is the URL. Yeah, just to give you a feeling, I mean, the MIDI um, protocol is low, the bandwidth is low enough that you can run everything off of the Arduino. Like, you really don't need, if you're just trying to go straight from sensor to MIDI data, you really don't need anything like the Raspberry Pi mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, or the Bigel Board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be any, it can be like 100 times, um, 1,000 times larger than the existing MIDI protocol, and you could still pull it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are there other questions or things that people want to do? To use one of these sensors to control, um, to control some visuals. Has anybody at Karma been doing that? So vision, visuals, um, that, that's a great example, something you probably need an operating system for because you usually need something like a USB camera and then you need something that can parse that information. Um, right. Well, yeah, I guess what I was asking is, I guess these Beagle boards, are, they're really only, you're only using them for audio pretty much? Oh, you point. mean in terms of output? You want yeah, visual yeah, output? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, no, we, we've had some students do... There, there, there's a um, HDMI, yeah. There, um, there's an HDMI like uh -huh. connector, and they, you can actually, I mean, you can run the graphical um, user interface of, of the Ubuntu um, operating system, and so oh, you okay. can do some. Uh, it's not super fast. You know? oh, okay, I see. Um, but yeah. we we actually have one as one of the labs, you know, in the class, like something where you use the um, OpenGL library. Right very slowly <laughs> okay and then again the graphics is something that if you could use the DSP side of the chip um, you could make that run a lot faster and I mean there are tons of examples of people using the Arduino to control visuals generated by the computer right yeah anybody else have something that they're brewing in their heads that they feel like sharing yeah yeah um, you were mostly talking about the Arduino, Arduino uh, working to uh, send messages to start things. What about the music, uh, the sound generation? Is that uh, pure data or Macs or what types it, of software? It's mostly pure data. We've had some students use um, like you know eight bit sound chips. You know, so yeah. so depending if you if you want to make a bunch of Atari music, you don't need anything like PD. Um, but then mostly we're doing the sound synthesis on PD. We, um, we have students experimenting with using Chuck. You seen other things? No, I mean, my personal love still at this point is just sending Arduino data to something like a Max patch, and that's because I like the sound capabilities of that. Um, but, you know, yeah, people are, people are doing things in, for, for, for actually using the, the embedded, you know, the Beagle hard, board hardware, people use Super Collider, uh, PD, um, those, are two, those are two of the main ones for that. Um, but it's, you know, the, I mean, Max MSP and Ableton Live worked well together right now and uh, via Max for Live. And I mean, I think that's, for me, I'm excited about the Beagle board, but I'm also really excited about how easy it is to get sensor data into programs that a wide swath of the music making population is using. So when Ableton 9 comes out in, I thought, you know, a matter of days basically, it comes with Max for Live. So automatically, People are going to be able to spend twenty-five dollars, hook up some sensors, and it's you know Max for Live is still a, is still a little glitchy, but they'll basically be able to hook up sensors to their coffee cup and have it affect their their Ableton Live patches if they want. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that's I th I think that's kind of 
putting us at the cusp of some really cool inventions. Because Ableton Live is just used by so many in such people in, in such, over such a wide swath of the population. It also means that I'm excited about that part too because it means that I can design things and hand them over to somebody else who has Ableton 9 running. And I'm working with a, with a band right now to make some different devices so that they can make sound while they're, while they're playing. And um, it's just wonderful that I don't have to bring my computer. I don't have to, um, you know, I, I don't have to interface my technology with their technology. I can just hand them, you know, a file and, and give them the device and away they go. And that's, I think that's pretty exciting. I guess just by way of further encouragement, I will say that when we teach students, and the, uh, Stanford students are smart, but like they, they come from a lot of different backgrounds. What they, you know, they always come in like really concerned about doing electronics or programming, and they really leave realizing that the hardest part is really figuring out, first of all, what you want from a performative standpoint, how to make something musical, how to take the thing that they would really like to be able to do, some like cool action or something that they grip and like instrument that, but like the programming and the, you know, like circuit design stuff is not, not hard at all. So, and you guys have, I think of the, the sort of artistry at something like this, this conference, I think that a lot of people, if they just like started playing around with it, they would actually be able to do something really cool really quickly. I was wondering if, you have any like hackathons or hack days or things like that where you would invite the public in to come and collaborate with you or your students or anything? We don't, but um, there's um, there's a group called Barkmut B A R C M U T that does some really good hackathons um, here. Uh, B A R C M U T. Do they have a website? <laughs> yeah, they have it here. Um, yeah, these guys do a lot of good stuff. And as far as like one day, um, Michael Shiloh is another person who does sort of one day Arduino workshops. There's evening classes at places like the Crucible, and we teach one week workshops where you learn this stuff. In the um, summer. In the summer. We mostly it's people who are um, Over professionals. 18. Yeah, professionals taking a week out from their normal day jobs. We do get some students, the very occasional high schooler. <laughs> But the, you know the Bay Area. If I mean, are you from? Or well, I don't. I don't know what the split in in this room is. But most cities at this point do have hacker spaces where they have Arduino. Somebody will take it over and teach someone teach people how to use the Arduino in a in an e afternoon or evening. Uh, if there's a Dorkbot group in your city, that's a great resource as well. And again, if you want to get in contact with us. I'm sure Sasha and I, between the two of us, could locate a dork in almost any city in the world. <laughs> you know, get you going. <laughs> Last call for questions. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing really. Just really... Um, okay, well, I'm just going to show one more video, and then we'll... Tell a little bit more about your background and, and oh, what yeah. you're working on now. Okay. So... I'm an interaction designer. I, I focus on physical interaction designs. So the reason why I teach the class I do at Karma, I also teach a class where people learn to make their own MP3 players in the electrical engineering department. I teach basically class where people learn to make things that are cool interfaces. And then professionally, I do a lot of um, consulting on things like robotics um, that have some physical interaction design properties. And my background is in mechanical engineering, but I think this is sort of a new area where your background could be from whatever, you know? <laughs> Yeah, 
Um, my background is in, it, I started off as a composer and then I had built things for a long time and eventually just incorporated, combined the two and so I, I now do a lot of interactive sound art installations and uh, sometimes they involve the Arduino and sometimes they don't and that's, that's what I teach at Stanford and teach people how to use the prototyping lab that we have there. You know, since we're on a tight schedule, I'm just going to call it a day. If you guys have any questions that you didn't want to ask in front of the group or you want to come look at the examples of projects we have, just come on up and go ahead. We're, we're here.